barely brown one side and burnt to a crisp on the other. Oh, it drives me mad. Fresh from the uneven toaster of life. It's Matt and Alex All Day Breakfast. Well, Alex Dyson, it's another congratulations. Yesterday we were congratulating Australia's oldest man, uh, Dexter Kluger, for their their birthday. I don't like it. make them like Dexter anymore, do they? <laughs> and, uh, today, well, let's hope that um, who I'm congratulating next uh, makes it as long as Dexter. Uh, congratulations to Rhodes Robert Headland, who is, uh, was born a little while ago, late last year, um, and is the son of Emma Roberts. Okay. Well, my friend, my friend Emma Roberts. <laughs> Do you know Emma Roberts? I don't think so. Julia Roberts' niece. Oh, wait. So is it is it the act, actor or your friend? Or are they the same person? Emma Roberts is Julia Roberts' niece. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't. I don't know whether Emma knows that we're friends, but she did play JoJo's sidekick in <laughs> Aquamarine. All right. So we have <laughs> met before. Um, and we all know <laughs> Matt just calls up random actors in Aquamarine and asks to hang out. <laughs> Even though... He is certainly not on the same social status as I, they are. Should I give her a call to congratulate her in person or what? Should I? If you missed what I'm talking about, it involves me trying to call Jojo last year. Um, well, <laughs> the a long episode. time ago. Well worth your time, but um, we're moving moving things on from Emma Roberts. And Congrats, uh, say, Emma. Saying a big hello to this gentleman. Everything I touch, I turn to gold. Turn to gold. Racking up these since I was four years old. It ain't time. even challenging, I do this naturally. So pay close attention, yo, I call this alchemy. Yeah, that's his latest bit of lava uh, from El Fresh the Lion, who is going to be joining us today. Incredible hip hop artist uh, out of the southwest of Sydney. His latest album is called Southwest, and he's going to be uh, chatting to us about not only that, but a few things going on in his cultural home of India as well, Madokan. Yeah, some stuff really going down. I mean, there's been political uprisings right around uh, the world, really. So much stuff going on, but uh, some of it gets more attention than other issues on uh, in our media. So we thought we'd shine a little light on what's going on. But uh, we'll be chatting to Elfresh very, very shortly. Other than that, we hope you are having an awesome, awesome Friday. This is Matt and Alex all their breakfast. Everyone ready? Let's get this show on the road. Let's go. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Matt and Alex all day breakfast. Alex Dyson, I uh, got locked out of my a particular pay TV account last night. How? What What'd you do? Lying on the couch. There were certain shows on the actual physical box that I couldn't watch. I could only watch on the online service. I tried to log in while I'm on my phone. I couldn't do it. I got locked out. So I tried. I could, I'd forgotten my username and my password. It is so annoying. I'm locked out of my old Hotmail address <laughs> because... It's, it's sent some activity and it's like, oh, you, we've sent an email to your backup address, but my backup address is my Triple J address. It's some so address, that's it. I can't I get know, in. That's the worst thing when they say we've sent it to your Hotmail account. I'm like, <laughs> oh, no. I don't check that anymore. I wouldn't even know how to get in there. I'm sure you listening have also suffered the indignity of forgetting a password to something like, oh, did I use the capital? Did I, you know, put some punctuation in here? What have I done? But imagine just for a moment... If you forgot your password to $220 million. Oh, dude, this is just, this makes my like skin shake. Oh, my legs shake. I sweat from the tongue thinking about this, right? <laughs> Stefan Thomas, a German born programmer, okay, living in San Francisco, has told the New York Times this week that he has two chances left. 
to guess his password to a hard drive that holds the keys to his wallet that's filled with $220 million worth of Bitcoin. Is he a Hollywood screenwriter or something like this? Because this is, he's got a hard drive, all right? He put his bit, Bitcoins on it and the hard drive he's bought wipes itself if there's 10 incorrect passwords, okay? He bought Bitcoin ages ago. Fine, fine, fine. Suddenly he's He's got like, 7,002 oh, of them. I've got, I've got this hard drive. Comes out. They're currently, you know, f- over 40,000 Australian dollars for a single Bitcoin. So he's got 42. Hundreds of billions of dollars. He goes, oh, what was the password? I'll type that in. Uh, incorrect. Type that in. I'll type that in. Seven left. He's like, oh, I've got to start really thinking about this because as you get closer, he's currently down to two more chances. He's tried eight no, incorrect passwords. Let's just clarify here. There's no forgot password question mark link on this thing. Okay. What's your mother's maiden name? No. No, it's all or nothing. And if he gets it wrong two more times, $220 million gone. It's going to be one of those things as well. (laughs) Sweating, just absolute dripping from the face (laughs) as he puts in the last letter and presses enter. And then just the delete screen comes up, deleting down to 100. And someone will be like, Did you try it with a capital? He'll be like, No! (laughs) We, um, someone needs to. I mean, this is the annoying part about this is, you know, it's a pandemic, we can't get close together, but someone needs to rent out the MCG, you know, back when it's all good to go. He needs to sit in the middle of it with his computer on the big screen. The world is watching as he (laughs) types in his final pass. It would be the greatest spectacle I think we've ever seen. No game show's got $220 million up for grabs. The, it's so, it's oh man, it's absolutely life-changing changing stuff. I never got on the Bitcoin thing. I'm so annoyed. It's been going up and down the last couple of days of seeing the news. It's now worth around $40,000 um, in Australia. Mm. But uh, but these Bitcoins, they just go, they just disappear. This is the crazy thing. Yep. So, Daiso, in 2020 alone, at least 75 crypto exchanges have closed down due to hacks, yep. scams, or, this is the one I love, simply disappeared for unknown reasons. <laughs> oh, did, did they? Just dis- yeah. Oh, I wonder why anyone would just simply disappear when there's wallets with $220 million worth lying around. I really don't think I could buy Bitcoin, though, because everyone's just buying it for that investment and the capital growth in Bitcoin going up, and no one's actually finding use for it. It's only those dark web people, you know, doing that, and hackers. I don't I know. And so you don't need a it's kidney. So volatile. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You don't need guns or organs. So yeah, you just it's such a risk. The first time I read about Bitcoin, I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool in like 2014. But no one's using it. There's that guy who bought two pepperoni pizzas who would have had millions of dollars had he not done that. There was Lily Allen who got asked to play a concert in Second Life. Right. It was like 2009, I believe. They said, oh, you know, your avatar will be up and you can sing Smile and you can do all your stuff, you know. We'll, we'll pay you 200,000 Bitcoin. And she's like, how much no, is that? No, they she's like, not, Did they offer a 200,000 yeah, Bitcoin? Yeah, like how much is that? It's like, oh, about 450 quid. She's like, well, <laughs> you can do it from your, from your lounge room. It's like, yeah, but no, thank you. We don't know how much that would be worth now, Matt O'Kine. Because I've run the numbers. It's a few pepperoni pizzas, I'm guessing. Eight billion six hundred ninety-one <laughs> million dollars. If Lily had done that and remembered her password to a hard drive, I tell you what, it'd make me smile. <laughs> that's for sure. I would be. 
Anyway, what are you locked out of? Uh, give us a call. Uh, <laughs> could be physical, could be crypto. Let us know. Coffee? Yeah, coffee. A seventh coffee never hurt anyone. Oh, I feel a buzz. Matthew, you brought us the news story yesterday of some irate parents who threw out some stuff which made an irate son uh, get a lot of money. Please refresh us as to what happened. Yeah, that's right. A son, 42 years old, moved back in with his parents after a divorce, became furious that they had thrown away $29,000 worth of his pornographic material, magazines, videos, all down the gurgler. He was not aware that there is some free options online, uh, but <laughs> that does not <laughs> that does not discount the fact <laughs> that it was appraised to that amount and the judge said, you threw out his property, that's a big no-no. So we asked you, what have your parents thrown away? And uh, Blaze has got in touch with us. G'day, Blaze. G'day, boys. Now, Blaze, your mum threw some stuff out when you moved into state but kept a few things. Oh, my God. My mum, bloody nightmare. So I moved into state a couple of years ago for a three-month job, a three-month contract, and I left everything at my parents' place expecting to come back and find it all. Sure enough, I fly back home for Christmas three months after I'd moved over, and my I arrived really late at night and no one's awake, and I'm going to my room like, oh, looks a bit different. Where's all, where's all my artwork? Where's everything I own? My room had been transformed from my teenage bedroom into like the equivalent of a middle-aged woman's beige hotel. Everything was gone. It was super bare. And I'm thinking, this looks really boring. This looks really weird. Where's all my stuff? Where's my My Chemical Romance posters? Where's, you know. (laughs) Exactly. Where's my dolly posters? Where's the field (laughs) section? Seriously. Yeah. Chatting Tatum should be up on this wall somewhere. Yeah. And so I wake up the next morning, chat to her about it. And she goes, oh. I got rid of all. I did a spring clean. I got rid of it all. And I'm like, what do you mean you got rid of it all? She threw out. She is a clean freak. She threw out everything I own. I'm talking clothes. I'm talking cameras. I lost a GoPro. I lost makeup. What? Threw a GoPro in the bin? (laughs) Wait, three months? You were gone for three months and she just threw everything away? So brutal. And so I am furious. I lost a pair of diamond earrings and I'd inherited from my dead nana. Like, everything no, is no. gone. Are you kidding? What? She she did the old, like, pull the drawers out, tip, everything is gone. Oh. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm furious. I still get angry thinking about it now. Like, this is four years ago and I'm like, oh, my God, all oh my poor things. Three months, so- right? <laughs> What happens when you go to the shops with some milk? You go out and come back. The carpets have been stripped. There's no curtains on. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Oh, my word. I mean, maybe I should have read the room. Maybe that was her being like, don't you bet the big she don't come back here. But wow. wow. That is All a right, tense well. place. Thank you so much. Hopefully you're able to um, yeah, repopulate your, uh, your items in life uh, one by one. <laughs> Thanks, guys. And uh, Matt from Melbourne, you your mum uh, threw away one thing, or, or did she? Yeah. Uh, it's the only thing of mine my mum has ever thrown away, and it's the worst possible thing she could have thrown away. Uh-oh. It was a pair of uh, Jordan 12 basketball shoes in the obsidian blue and white colour. <gasps> my first ever pair that I won from, uh, I was in grade 8 at the time, and I won from a, a kid at my school in grade 11. His uh, father bought them for him, and they didn't fit. So I asked if I could have them, and he said, if I could beat him in a game of one-on-one, 
Uh, they were mine. So, oh, what, is this a script from a movie? <laughs> no, it sounds like it, doesn't it? Yeah, it, but, uh, it was the talk of the school, and uh, it all went down at lunchtime. And He's playing for the Jordans. Come on, yeah, down, right. everyone. A year eighter to a year elevener? Is this exactly. this is insane? Had you had it your is. growth spurt yet? <laughs> no, I hadn't, and neither had he, which is probably what uh, how he came undone. He wasn't too tall either. And but, um, at the end, like to, to win, did you do a jump up and then he grabbed onto you and your arm extended <laughs> really long and then dropped it in the hoop? Not not quite, but I did I did beat him with a, a killer crossover which was made famous by Tim Hardaway back in the nineties. <laughs> oh. that's, that's what sealed it. My gosh. So, so what so she threw the shoes away? Yeah, so um yeah, I, I moved out, kept him all through school. Um, Mum tried to give them back to the kid and he said, no, look, they don't fit anyway. They, you, you can keep them. But, um, yeah, moved out, moved to Queensland with some friends, came back a couple of months later, thought I'll get these shoes and put them up on the mantelpiece in the bedroom mm. and they're gone. And uh, I confronted Mum about it and she claimed she didn't throw them out. Oh, I just have no idea how they could have. Did you start? Maybe they scout. jumped out. They jumped yeah. themselves to the nearest. Did you start just court? scouring the op shops in your area, just <laughs> looking for these things? Because they well, sound like one of these collector's items. Because these shoes can go for so much money. Yeah, they can. It's it's left some pretty deep psychological scars to the point <laughs> that I've got. I've now got about two glass cases full of. Retro basketball shoes. I'm just trying wow. to. Do you know what? You need to go. You need to throw it down in, to your mum. You say, "Me, you, one on one at the basketball <laughs> yeah, courts. If I shoes. beat you, I get the shoes back." Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> that is it. Thanks, Thanks, Matt. Thank you so much, Matt. And we've also got Mia from Kingscliffs. G'day, Mia. Hi. How's it going? So Great. good. Please tell us what did your parents throw out? So it wasn't actually my parents. It was my grandma threw out something of my dad's. Oh, um, okay. So, His parents. Yeah. It's really, he gets really upset about it. So I've actually had to walk away and make sure he's not listening. It's a bit tender still. Oh, oh um, okay. So my dad had the original Mac computer, like the first, one of the first ever like Apple computers. Yeah. He had it preserved in like this special backpack thing. He like, it's got all the cores, the connectors, everything. Yeah. Oh, so no. his cousin calls up one day and goes, DT, like, I just saw that there was a one of the, like, the exact same computer as yours sold for eight hundred thousand dollars US. No! No! He's like, this is it. Like, I am. No. He's running around the house. He's so excited. Gives my grandma a call and she goes, "Oh, I I gave that to the cleaning ladies for free." <laughs> no. And he just like hung up the phone and just sat down and stared at the ground for a really, really long time. And it slowly walked into the ocean. <laughs> yeah, I haven't actually seen him in about five years. It's, it's pretty rough. Wow. Oh does it, so does the cleaning lady still have it? Well, I Did don't she know. she find I out? Think, yeah, well, I know. She's we not a cleaning that. lady anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Your she dad's owns cleaning the her cleaning house business, <laughs> the cleaning empire. Oh, wow. That is incredible. Thank you so much, Mia. I really appreciate you talking to us. Thanks. See ya. Jeez, thank you to everyone. They, they oh, were some so good. spot-on stories. Goodness <laughs> me. Parents, like my dad literally called me yesterday and goes, I've got your year 10 diary here. Do you want me to get rid of it? And I'm like, no, you better keep that just in case. There's some just gold in, in there, I'm sure. $900,000 one day. <laughs> exactly. Good luck. This is All Day Breakfast. Order up. 
Just how you like it. Perfect. All day breakfast. All right, Matt O'Kine, let's catch up with one of my favourite people to talk to in the biz. He's been uh, making hip-hop out of Sydney for quite a while now. You might know him from a few of these different songs. I recognise my people by face before I know the name. Smile when we meet because we understand the same. Share the same sight through eyes water with pain. Yet we hold tightly under our faith to maintain. Even if I'm one in a hundred thousand, I'm going to stay strong, never backing down from anything that comes, I'm going to stay in my ground, son. So one, two, three, drum. Recognize you're messing with a village boy, a village boy, a village boy. Yeah, I stay busy, boy. Yeah, that's right. The unmistakable sounds of Mr. Elfresh the Lion. G'day, Elfresh. Hey, fellas. Thanks for having me. No, not at all. Thanks for joining us. You uh, released an album halfway through last year. It is called Southwest. Uh, congratulations having to uh, drop an album in such a, a, a wild year. Can you tell us a little bit about the album and, uh, you know, what inspired you when you were making it? Yeah, for sure. And, man, it was such a hectic year to to definitely put out an album i felt like we couldn't wait that much longer that album i think we'd been sitting on it to that point before release you know probably almost a year and a half you know it'd been oh, finished and, and so like we were waiting for the right moment the right opportunity <laughs> a lot of it a lot of it had to do with you know i was working on a lot of stuff in india and and we were wanting to you know doing multiple trips back and forth there and wanting to, to tie in uh, momentum with stuff that was happening there. So we kept kind of delaying it. And so when we decided to go with it, was we were kind of at a point where it's just like, look, the messages on this album are really important. And, you know, people could really, I suppose, dive into the, those messages while they're in lockdown. So, you know, now is probably a good time to put it out. And, you know, speaking to your question, a lot of those messages in the album, you know, it's what I call an empowerment record because, like, for me, I wanted to make an album that my 13, 14-year-old self would really want to listen to and will feel proud to listen to. You know, I, I grew up, you know, at that age listening to a lot of hip-hop, but I was listening to music that even though I could relate to them thematically, re- relate to the artists and the songs thematically, I couldn't necessarily relate to the exact experiences because, mm. you know, I'm listening to artists predominantly from African-American males. I don't obviously share that experience. And so... I wanted to make something that I could connect to and relate to culturally as well. And so there was a lot of kind of personal stories on the album. All the samples are from, you know, my own cultural background, being a Punjabi person, uh, being a Sikh background, you know, all of that stuff was fused into the production of the record as well. And so I just really wanted to make it so that the younger generation could really connect to it uh, sonically uh, and thematically as well. Absolutely. Uh, where do you hunt for Punjabi samples? What's your What's your method there? Do you actually go around India and, and you know crate dive for a few things? It's very internet based. <laughs> do you know artists around that you can uh, that can send you some stuff? How How's the process there? Well, well, the the first song on the record, Alchemy, actually was myself and my music teacher. So. Um, to, to contextualize that, um, uh, about two years ago, I made a documentary for YouTube, the Creators for Change program, uh, called Culture Strong. And I interviewed this, this sick musician who, who, who's from Sydney, and I hadn't met him up until the point I was researching for the documentary. And, and um, he essentially practices and teaches a real 
classical style of sick music that we as a community have lost connection to through, you know, long story short, but through like um, separation from culture, through Mm -hmm. colonization, through partition, through um, just kind of us being quite a, um, uh, you know, global community. So like we've lost connection to it over about maybe three or four generations. So he's, he's reconnected into it, tapped into it and he started learning it. So for alchemy, for that sample, um, I played the rabab, which I turned to sound like a dumbi, and he played <laughs> um, uh, an instrument called a dilruba to make it sound like another instrument called a sarangi. So, like we <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we were in his oh, house, and, like uh, just recording it on a Zoom. Recorder. Do you have any of those instruments in your in your like room right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we do. Out of screen. What have we got here? <laughs> yeah. Which one's oh, this? Mad. <laughs> So this is the rabab, um, and so this this particular version of it is the sick music version of it, which is a, um, a much bigger version of the instrument. And um, historically, our musical tradition was founded on an instrument like this. It would have been a lot bigger back in the day, um, but this is the closest living relative to that original instrument. So, what does it sound like? It's like out of tune. So it's, yeah, it's, nice. it's nylon string, similar to a guitar, but you play. You don't play it like a guitar. Like you, you're playing it as <clears> if you're the lead vocalist. So you're imitating the lead vocalist, and that's how you play it. So you play essentially one string at a time. You know. Man, that's why I love jumping into your music, El Fresh, is because you discover these sounds <laughs> and these things that, like, I probably have never heard the words, the four instruments that you just said there, <laughs> and you're able to hear it all together on the one song. It's absolutely <laughs> incredible. But also the stories you're able to come through as well. Like listening to Mother Tongue yeah. was really interesting because, yeah, similarly, like hearing this story, I can, I can relate to it in that it's something that growing up you think, oh, this is really uncool to do. I'm going to go away from. When you get older, it's something you realize, like, man, I wish I'd you know, tried harder or you tried more with that. Can you explain a little bit about that, that song, Mother Tongue, and, uh, yeah, yeah w- w- how that relates to you and, and what that experience is? My language, words I spoke so beautifully. There was kids' competitions held by the community. I got pictures standing on podiums that you should see. Fast forward five years and lost my fluency. This song was, uh, man, it's such a great journey for this particular song because, like, I wrote it about my experience of... Uh, being fluent in my mother tongue language of Punjabi as a kid, it was the first language that I spoke living in a household where that was the, the, the predominant language. And then I lost it as a, you know, as a young kid and as a, in my teenage years. And I only reconnected with it, uh, you know, I suppose maybe like intensely in the past two or three years, but yeah, right. you know, that journey's probably been maybe five years. Um, and so I thought that song when I wrote it was like super personal and like really maybe something that not not a lot of people would be able to relate to. But I remember when I was working on the record, I was out at I was actually out at um, an AFL game, so I went to go watch the Swans and, and the Giants with a bunch of the um, some of the fam from the Elephant Tracks record label, and I was sitting next to uh, to to Richie, who's uh, also goes by the name of Sulo, who plays guitar for the Herd. And, um, and uh, he was asking him, you know, how's the record going? Like, where is it at and stuff? And I was telling him about some of the songs and we started talking about Mother Tongue and I was telling him about, you know, okay, like my story with my language is, you know, you know, I grew up in his household. I was fluent in Punjabi and, then I, you know, I go to school and I suppose part of the byproduct of living in a colonized country is that, you know, where the the main kind of mindset for, uh, you know, people of, of 
of cultural backgrounds outside of the mainstream is that you have to assimilate. And by that, in a toxic kind of way in this country, it kind of means you, you have to abandon your culture. And so like, I was talking about it from that experience and the byproduct of that for me was, you know, not feeling like my culture was cool. And so like I let go of my language and that's partially my fault, but also a, a story of just an experience of being from a, a you know, a migrant community, even though I was born in Australia, but being a part of a migrant community in Australia. And I was thinking, you know, like, as I'm telling him this, like, this is quite a specific thing. And he was like, man, as an Italian person, like, I really relate to what you're telling me and like this, this journey and this song. And he was telling me the story of how when he was really young, you know, his family uh, lived in Italy for about two or three years specifically so that he and his siblings could learn, um, you know, the Italian culture, Italian language. Uh, and he's so grateful for that experience because now it means he can converse with his grandparents fluently. Mm. And, you know, and it's something that he's like, I pass, I want to pass on. And I was like, man, that's like so deep. It made me realize just how much of, you know, a, a common story this is for, I think, a lot of people in Australia, you know, which mm. I think, you know, is kind of sad because like we're definitely richer for, you know, the many mm. kind of culture cultures that we have here and how we're able to share and celebrate our, um, you know, universal humanity through our different, express- different expressions of culture. Absolutely. And yeah. anything you see your parents doing usually as a kid, you think, well, that's uncool. Your parents, you know, your <laughs> yeah. parents, if they're wearing, uh, you know, stubby board shorts, you're like, well, I'm never wearing those. That is so oh, lame. I mean, I go, and I then you go to, up and you go, these are breezy. I should, I should, <laughs> should have been in these years ago. <laughs> yeah. The language thing is definitely, I, I'm annoyed. Like I used to get annoyed with my dad for not speaking, you know, for not teaching me his Ghanaian language. But then, you know, when you're young and teenager or whatever, you think, oh, what's the point? Like, you don't, it's not useful. That's what you think. Mm. It's not like you think, oh, it's not useful. I can't use it in business or in growing up or anything like that. But it's like, it's, yeah, it's it's the fact that you don't get to experience that culture as deeply that you realize you missed out on. Going to India get- the last couple of years, like I, I got to perform on a TV show over there called MTV Hustle, which like to, to you know, simplify it, the concept of the show is essentially it's like Australian Idol, but for rappers in India, right? Oh, man, that would go off. I went, it, it was like the, the biggest reality TV show um, in India at the time. Man, I never would have thought like my 13, 14-year-old self that rapping in our own languages was cool. <laughs> but like here I am in Mumbai on, you know, the number one reality TV show in India and these guys are like killing it in their own languages. Like, four or five different languages. Some of these guys can rap in like five different languages. You know what I mean? Like I was just like, what the hell, man? This is so, this is so cool. Absolutely, man. And uh, speaking of India, I've been seeing reports. You've been putting up a bit of stuff on on your Instagram of something that I have seen a little bit elsewhere, but it doesn't seem to be a whole heap of news about it filtering through to Australia. Can you tell us a little bit about the farmers' protest that's going on over there and what what might be happening? Yeah, I appreciate you asking this question, man, because like one of the, the, the um, you know, objectives of the farmers has been to kind of get global attention on what's going on there because unfortunately India has a history of um, violence against those who speak up against um, the system or speak up against injustices and stuff like that. And, you know, global awareness um, and attention on what's going on there is particularly important as a form of security. But essentially what's happening in, in India is um, farmers uh, have gathered across the country, led by uh, farmers from Punjab up north, which is where my people are from, and, and farmers from Haryana, 
And they've all converged around uh, the capital of Delhi to protest against new laws which the government has been introducing or introduced, essentially introduced during COVID. Like they just tried to rush it through during COVID without very little opposition. They silenced opposition actually. Essentially, the farmers are saying that these bills will um, really devastate their livelihoods to the point where corporations will exploit them uh, and eventually run them off their lands. They're going to be beholden to to companies like Adani, who, you know, Australians are quite familiar with, you know, like (laughs) we we have our own kind of um, contest with with Adani, but it's the same beast uh, in India who is is seemingly going to be benefiting the most from from uh, you know these 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 bills, and who is seen to have been lobbying, especially for these particular bills. So um, that's that's the situation. They've gathered in in record numbers. They've been around the the Delhi, the, the capital of Delhi, for over a month now, but protesting across other parts of the country, including in Punjab, for over a hundred days now. And to contextualise it as well, it's winter over there, so it's the, especially in Delhi, it's the coldest time of the year. Um, a lot of these farmers are like elders. Um, they're not a well-off community. They're, they're, they're actually quite a, um, a, you know, a community of struggles uh, financially, economically, and all that sort of stuff. So they're sleeping on the roads, under their tractors, under their trolleys. Um, they've met, been met with police brutality and violence. Yeah, I've seen a bit of footage of gas, that. Water cannons again during winter, and it looked, uh-huh. it looks pretty, it looks pretty yeah. brutal. What's, what's going on? What's the reaction in India for, uh, for the farmers? Are other people supporting them, or is it seem to be that they're on their own? Yeah, look, it's, it's, it's a bit of a mix. I mean, there, there's, there's quite a large support for them. I mean, like I said, they've gathered in record numbers and they've found alliances across the, the labor sector. So. At one point, there was a day when it was 250 million people protesting across various sectors. 250 um, whoa, million. Know, that's, that's a world record. <laughs> yeah, whoa. I was I was chatting to, to some some mates of mine in, uh, who are producers, and, and we did an Instagram live about this because they they they're from their you know their parents their families are, are farmers, and so they went and joined the protest in Delhi, and they were saying that the stretch of the one of the protest sites that they went to is 10 kilometers. I couldn't fathom that in my mind. Like, it, what? Nice. No, goodness yeah, gracious. Intro to the city. Like, I can't even picture that. Well, Alfred, wow. it seems like a really intense situation. Thank you for enlightening us a little bit about it. Something potentially you could do a bit of reading up on if you're uh, going to be watching the uh, India-Australia cricket during the drinks break just to keep informed whilst watching the sport with India and Australia. Well, during the cricket, so the BCCI have specifically um, um, urged venues to ban people from entering the grounds if they're carrying any kind of placards that show support for the farmers. Oh, um, really? So that, that's been... Really interesting, yeah. So, um, and that's here in Australia. So people, yeah. people in Australia aren't yeah. allowed to come in to show the signs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I've never seen something like this in my lifetime. It, it does feel like it's it's a really pivotal point in time. Well, thanks so much for joining us, uh, El Fresh. It's always an absolute pleasure. If you are uh, if you're a lover of El Fresh's music, please remember to check out his latest album, Southwest which uh, dropped halfway through last year. And, uh, yeah, bro, and we cannot thank heat, you enough. The absolute heat seeker that is uh, the Alchemy remix, which has just come out, the latest uh, one as well, Elfresh, which is very, very, very fire. So I uh, appreciate that one too, man. <laughs> appreciate it, guys. And those two guys on that track, they were on the MTV Hustle TV show. So the two guys featuring on that song. Oh, uh, sick. So, yeah, man, survive. Thanks, Elfresh. We'll catch you next time, man. Latest. Peace.
Okay, I've had to turn the mics back on, Matt, because we were just chatting before and you asked me a question. What was that question? What the hell are seltzers? <laughs> Bro, you don't know a seltzer? You haven't had a hard seltzer? Okay, I'm going to tell you right now that four years ago I was in London and I and, and someone told me, check this out, skin contact white wine, it's going to be the drink of the summer. And man, they were right. Right then, the next year, Aperol spritzes. Oh boy, everyone was drinking Aperol spritzes. A few years ago, espresso martinis. Boom, they blew up. This year, I walk into the bottle shop and I look at this shelf. I'm like, oh, what the hell is a, a seltzer? <laughs> and, then I, and then I'm like, look next to it, a different brand, but they're also selling seltzers. And I'm like, what? Then I'm seeing another thing, hard seltzers, vodka seltzers. Oh, what the hell is a seltzer? Bro, you miss it out. It's like a, it's it's literally an alcoholic, bubbly sort of water kind of thing. Yeah, the like just put like a little a bit of tang. Yeah, but without that um, without that rough taste because there's no vodka in it. It's just like a I think it's fermented rice, sort of almost something. Yeah, they're delicious. But a hard seltzer must be. It tastes like bubbly spring water with a, a hint of elderflower or peach or watermelon or that sort of stuff. Oh my! It's just a buddy. Red Bear. It's no, just, it's, it's just a UDL. Mate, you oh, got to get on board. Mate, I've anyway. been drinking hard seltzers in the, you know, Indrapilly Park in some <laughs> bush since I was bloody 14 years old. What the hell are you talking about, Listen, hard seltzers? Come down to Bob Bar. I'll show you what's up. Okay. All right. I smell toast. Well, 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 that brings us to the end of another episode of All Day Breakfast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Elfresh the Lion for hanging out with us and uh, having a chat music, having a chat social issues in India. It's, it's really cool to, you know, spread your, you know, your lens and be Political able to see awareness. a few of these things. Absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah. So really appreciate him telling you about that. And thank you too. <laughs> Blaze, Matt, and Mia for calling up and telling us these stories. It puts a lot of things into perspective as well. Uh, sure parents, does. Just double check, double check before you uh, you toss things in that trash. Yeah. So if you've got like a Michael Jordan rookie card just <laughs> sitting in the cupboard or anything like that, maybe this weekend is the time to just just visit mum and dad and say, "Can I just grab this little trinket?" Yeah. What's this? What's this colourful diamond egg that's sitting in my house? <laughs> Fabergy, Fabergy, <laughs> what? <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you very much for listening, and we will catch you on Monday. Bye bye.